I just have three things to say to you today, okay? The first one, um, every time I read the Passion, and when you read it out loud like this, it's amazing how it affects you and how it draws you in. And um, this, I heard this for the first time, if I heard it correctly, said after uh, Jesus, he said it, uh, he, when he died, they came to take the three bodies down, and they broke the legs of the two thieves on either side. And then it said, but when they saw that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his legs. So it doesn't say this, but does that mean that two thieves were not dead, and they broke their legs and then throw them into a tomb and let them die? Oh, my goodness. I've always heard the crucifixion was awful, but... Um, I never heard that detail before, and it's, it's quite disgusting. Secondly, as I wrote on the um, Facebook page today, because we always have John's Gospel or Passion on Friday, Good Friday, and the other three uh, years of cycles A, B, and C, we have Matthew, and then uh, Mark, and then Luke. So this year we had Matthew on Palm Sunday, but again we have John's Gospel. And there's one very unique thing in John's Gospel. There's several things, but this one is uh, outstanding. At the very beginning, in fact, the first time, uh, one of the first times that Jesus speaks in the Passion today, when they ask who he is, he says, I am. And all of our ears should prick up real quickly at that, you know, I am. What is he saying, I am? And those are the very words that God said to Moses from the burning bush on Mount Horeb before he gave God the Ten Commandments. And it was in answer to this question, when, when God said, I want to send you to um, the Egyptians to free my people from the slavery of Egypt, Moses said, well, who shall I say that sent me? And, and God responds from the bush, I am. It's not a name, it's, it's just like I, I just am, I exist, I am the Almighty. So, uh, I have a little trouble believing or thinking that Jesus exactly said those words, and one reason is it's not in any of the other three Gospels, to my knowledge. So therefore, that's always a little clue, or at least a little suggestion. But more than that, uh, they don't seem to get it. And any Jew, I believe, if they heard him say, I am, they they would say he's blaspheming. He's, they would be shocked, and there's no indication that takes place. So I say to myself, I don't know if Jesus said it actually, but I believe John has Jesus say it for us. For us. So that we cannot walk away from this event as described by John without recognizing truly this is the Son of God. Truly this is the Son of God. So we come always to this Good Friday. And of course we believe that. We've had 2,000 years of believing that. But this Word of God challenges us to see it in a very explicit way today and to recognize that something very sacred is being told to us in this passion, something very full of mystery. And that's one of the reasons why I don't ever panic at wondering if those exact words were said or not. I remember in the first day of scripture studies in theology, the first day, my professor had us read chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis. 
And if you read chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, you'll see two creation stories. It never occurred to me before, and I had read them both many times. So in the first story, you have the six days of creation. And after each part of creation, which ends on the sixth day with the creation of man and woman, and after each day, uh, God says it is good, but after he creates man and woman, he says it is very good. And then the seventh day of creation where he rests. And immediately in the second chapter, there's a different story of creation. And the interesting thing is that the entire creation story gets reversed. Because in the first story, it's everything, every plant, every animal, everything is created, then man and woman. And in the second story of creation, man is created first. He just exists there. And then God creates all the animals and brings each one to him, and, and he names each one. And it said that God was trying to create a suitable partner for him. So uh, it doesn't say this, but it's part of my sick humor. Uh, he brought a giraffe and said, I like it, but that neck's a little long for me. Uh, brought a lion and said, too furry, way too furry. And uh, went through all the animals. And then finally says, after all the animals are, are created now after the man, instead of before, like the first chapter, then it says he, he cast a deep sleep, took out his rib, formed the earth around this rib, and created a woman from this man. This woman had come, and he prens, presents her to him, and Adam says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she should be called. Okay. So my professor said, okay, I ask you this one question. Which story is the truth? Was it the first creation story or the second one? The whole order is different. So which one happened? And of course, we were all brilliant scholars in the class, and we just went, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe the point is this, he said. Maybe it's not a book trying to give a scientific description of creation but to grab the mystery of creation. And in one, we see the goodness of God, the greatness of God in his creation. And in another one, we see how creation would continue as he finds suitable partners for each of the animals from four men and women so that this creation could continue. So every time I come across the, my problem, like I am, did he really say it? I don't know. But it doesn't matter to me because I hear it being said to me and I hear the question being put bluntly to me. Perry, like or do you believe that I'm the son of God? And I say, yes, I do. But I got a little surprised today. This is number three. I walked in the sacristy and Mary Trujillo brings this up to me. He says, Father, did you see this? I want to share this with you. It's cute. It's kind of funny. It's kind of... Um, not flaky, but, you know, romantic. A little poem. And it's entitled, Folks in Heaven, by J. Taylor Ludwig. And this is what it says. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I enter heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, by the lights or its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Sam, 
who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, said he. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd see you. <laughs> Quite frankly, I think that's part of the miracle of Good Friday and, and of our whole faith. And, and actually, it shouldn't surprise us, and I think this is absolutely true. I think, I think God finds a way for everyone to get to heaven. And you could argue with me all day, you'll never change my mind. I just don't think God, I'll put it this way, could live without us. He loves us that much. And I don't think there's anybody who rots in hell, but they fall into God's love eventually. I, I, it has to be for me, for me. But I say to myself, why could I even think of that? Well, look at that cross. Look at that, all that Jesus had done and all he had done to share the kingdom of God and bring people closer to God and bring them out of their sin and out of their, uh, out of their sickness and illness and blindness and deafness and paralyticalness and, and help them to not just walk but run and dance. And then they do this to him for God's sake. What's this about? And not one single foul, nasty, mean, condemnatory word comes out of his mouth. Not one. And Luke had to put the frosting on the cake and put these words in his mouth and say, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. How's it possible? But that cross is such a powerful expression of love. If we don't get the message of love from that cross, we are blind and deaf. We're blind and deaf. If we don't look at that cross and walk away saying, oh my God, what a lover you are. What a lover you are. And so, as I said the other day, it's one of my favorite quotes from uh, spiritual writers, from Meister Eckhart, a good German. And he said, if the only thing you ever say to God ever is just thank you, it's enough. And I think as we come before this cross, let's, don't walk out of here feeling bad. Don't walk out of here saying, oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, God, how can you love me? You must forgive me. Can we even question that, whether God forgives us? We say it constantly, constantly. But when we look up at this cross, if we can't say thank you, then I think we miss the point. And today, is, Jesus is saying as clearly as possible, I love you. I would die for you. No, I have died for you. And all I ask you to do is to accept my love.